We want to continue today in our focus on current events as they relate to the last days. Because I want you to be aware of the fact that we are living in strategic days. And Jesus Christ has told us that we should be able to read the signs of the times. We are wise when we do that. We are alert. We are demonstrating that we are watching for his coming. Do you realize that these days in which we live and the days immediately in the future are days that take up more uh, of Scripture than any other event or events? In other words, more is written in Scripture about these last days than what is written about anything else in Scripture, including the first coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Someone has estimated that for every one verse that speaks of the first coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, eight speaks of his second coming. We are living in exciting days if we understand the signs of the times. If we understand the seasons, you'll see that we are living in exciting and wonderful times. And if anything should be accomplished, when you become aware of what's happening, is of the sovereignty of God and the fact that he is still in control. We might look at the events and think that, boy, everything seems so chaotic. Everything seems out of control. No. Everything is going exactly according to plan. We can see that a little bit this morning. But I want to try to impress upon you the need for you to be aware as a child of God as to where we are in his program, in his plan. See, one of the things that is happening to us and we don't realize it is that we are being deceived. We live in an atmosphere, an environment of deception in just about every aspect of our lives. And we're going to see from Scripture as we go on in this series that deception is one of the major strategies of the devil today. And if you're not alert to it, you're going to be caught up in that deception. In fact, last Sunday, last Lord's Day, I didn't go to church. That's all right? Thank you. Because, you see, I was in Tampa, and they were expecting uh, some of the effects of the hurricane. And they were saying in that area that unless you had to go out, don't go out. And so I stayed in. And, of course, I went to television church. I must have listened to four or five different preachers. And boy, what an education I had. Talking about deception. And what amazed me more, though, is that it's been done by prominent men of God. Prominent. Some of the most prominent people.
are using deceptive means of getting the word out. Some person has come up with a new coin, with a new word, a coinage for what's happening with some of our outstanding men, and it is celebrity, celebrity, spiritual status. The idea is that in order to maintain a celebrity posture in the world today, you can't stand up for what you really believe. For instance, I listened to two uh, interviews by Larry King during the past month. You probably listened to it too. I'm not going to call names at this time. I will shortly, but see if you can think. Two prominent men in the world. Larry King asked them point blank. Do you believe that there's any other way other than Jesus Christ to be saved? Now, if that question was asked to you, what would your answer be? But you know, one of the most prominent men, one of the men that I had great respect for all of my life, one of the most outstanding evangelists, he said, well, you know, I really can't tell for sure who's saved or who will not be saved. Another one said, Oh, well, I only talk about the good things. I talk about the positive things. I never tell a person in my sermon that they're sinners. And this is one of the most prominent figures in evangelical circus today. How one of the largest church in the United States of America. But when he's given the opportunity, point blank, to say that Jesus Christ is the only way both of them back down. Why? Because that's not a political thing to do today. You could be ostracized. You could be put aside. And what saddened me was that these men who are being looked up to by millions of people, if they are afraid, they say that Jesus is the only way. What about those who follow? We're going to show more examples of this as we go along. About how prominent men today, preaching positive message, giving everybody the big idea that God only has good things planned for you. That's all. And so I'm not going to call you a sinner at all. And millions are flocking to hear the message. Deception. Sign of the times. Are you aware of it? It is a passage of scripture that we're going to be looking at this morning. I call it remedy for last day's spiritual instability. Because you see, many people become unstable because they do not understand the scripture. They become unstable theologically and psychologically. Emotionally. And to me, all those things, all those events are indications of the preparing the way for the Antichrist. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. I want you to take your Bibles and follow along because I want you to look at the Bible today. We're going to teach you today. One of the things I committed myself again as I listened to these speakers, I do not want to be a preacher. I, and, and God forgive me if I'm judging, 
But I believe a lot of men are only preaching to preach. That's all. And there's no real substance coming as far as the word of God is concerned. And I believe that the most important thing we need today is not greater preachers. But we need more of God's people reading and studying the Bible themselves. And so that's why we're going to teach you today rather than preaching to you. Now we request you, brethren, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. With regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure, or be disturbed either by spirit, notice that now, the spirit. Timothy talks about demons speaking through preachers in the pulpit. 1 Timothy 4. That you be quickly not quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as it came from us to the effect that the day of the Lord had come. You see, after Paul had left Thessalonica, false teachers had come. And they were teaching that the day of the Lord had already come. Therefore, these Christians had met the rapture. They had lost. They had been left behind because the rapture had already occurred. And so they were upset. Wouldn't you be upset if you think you're a Christian and you get up a preacher and say that the rapture happened yesterday? And now you're living in a time of judgment? Tribulation? That's what's being taught. Now, remember, for those of you who came out a couple of Wednesdays ago, when we have our How to Study the Bible segment, I'm going to go through a little of that so that you can see what you need to do in order to understand the Bible a little clearer. And to encourage you to come out to our third uh, presentation, which will be on, Kathy, is it 20 or 27th? The 27th. On the, by the way, on August the 3rd, Brian Marie will be finally coming to, show, to talk about the CSME. Let me say this now. It really wasn't Brian's fault. He was the victim. No, that's not a good word. He was the subject or the object of a lot of uh, little things he had no control of. Uh, <clears throat> so please don't blame him. But he will be here on August the 3rd. But on the 27th, we'll be doing our, <coughs> we'll be doing our third, uh, <coughs> excuse me, our third uh, presentation on how to study the Bible going deeper. One of the first things that we said that you need to do is to lay out the passage grammatically so that the main statements stand out. Everything else modifies or things said about the main statements. So look at the passage that we just read. What I say to you here is that the main statements in this passage is, first of all, we request you not to be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed by, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. That's his main statement in that passage. You understand what I'm saying? We request you not to be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. That's the gold writing there. Everything else tells us something about that statement. 
In other words, we request you. Who are you? Brethren, meaning he's writing to Christians. What is he writing about? With regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and to our gathering together to him. All right? He's saying, I don't want you to be shaken from your composure. He tells you how you could possibly be shaken by a spirit. So he's giving us some information that is possible for us to get a message from a demonic spirit. Or a message, or a letter as it came from us. In other words, deceit. Somebody writes a letter and says, my name is Apostle Paul. Deception. You see what I'm saying? He says, no. I don't want you to be in any way disturbed by any message other than the one I gave you. That's the idea. Now, let's look at it. The other step in trying to understand a passage is to try to paraphrase it in your own words. In other words, if you cannot repeat in your own words, not using the same words of Scripture of a passage that you're studying, then you really don't understand the passage. So, we make a paraphrase of this passage, and we could come up something like this. Now, fellow believers, with regard to the second coming of Christ and the rapture. See, now I put in the rapture because I believe the gathering of Christ together with Christ has to do with the rapture. Now, so how do I come up with that? Well, I do research to find that out. That's a major step in Bible study, research. You research things that you don't understand. When you come to that passage, our gathering together to him, what does it mean? You do research. Now, that's the step we'll be looking at next time. How to do research to come up with things you do not understand in the text you're reading. And so, I am including a step here that uh, I will not describe to you until the 27th. Now, fellow believers, with regard to the second coming of Christ and the rapture. See, right away, that tells us the second coming and the rapture are two different events. Some people mix them up. Some people think that the rapture is the second coming of Christ. It isn't. I encourage you not to be unduly shook up or concerned by any message in any form, even if it purports to have come from me, saying that the great day of God's judgment has already occurred. That's a paraphrase. That's how I understand the scripture. Now, let's go on. The main idea then of those particular verses is, Paul is saying, don't allow false teaching concerning the rapture, the second coming of Christ, and the great tribulation to destabilize you in any way, either theologically or psychologically. In other words, he is telling us that it's important for us to understand the last days. If we don't, we could become theologically and psychologically or emotionally destabilized. He's telling us the importance of understanding Scripture accurately. So, the, the main idea then is, Paul's concern was the spiritual stability of believers relative to prophetic teaching. Now, let me ask you, how stable are you in your understanding of prophetic events? If it is true that prophecy involves eight times more of the scripture than the first coming of Jesus Christ, how stable are you spiritually? Quite a challenge, isn't it? Here's one of the temporary applications we could make. We need to correctly understand prophetic, te prophetic teaching related to the last days. Why? Because ignorance of these subjects results in spiritual instability and emotional distress. Clear as that. Paul is giving us a remedy to spiritual instability. What is it? An accurate knowledge 
of the last days. That's what this passage is teaching. You see? That's what this passage, that's the reason for the, that's the intention of the author of this passage, to stabilize us concerning spiritual truth related to, prof, to prophetic things. Amazing, isn't it? Let's look at the other passage. Let's look, continue on in the passage at verse 3. Let no one deceive you in any way. Notice the focus on deception. Because that's going to be one of the major things that pervade these days in which we live. Now, what is deception? Something that is clearly seen? No. It is something that is subtle. Something that comes disguised as something else. You see. Let no one deceive you in any way. Paul is aware of the fact that it will be pervasive in every aspect of our life. For it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. <laughs> I, someone told me, I don't know who this is, I hope this no, relates to nobody here. But so they were studying with a group of ladies. And they were studying the Bible. And the leader, they came to a passage with this word apostasy. And so what? One of the ladies asked the leader, what does apostasy mean? She said, well, I'm not quite sure, but I think it has to do with the apostles. <laughs> That's the leader of a Bible study group. Do you wonder why we have so much confusion? At least it's better than saying that the epistles are wives of the apostles. Anyway, I won't get into that one. Let no one deceive you in any way, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? This is probably one of the most crucial texts related to the end days today. Here, right here. If you understand everything that is contained in this text, it helps a lot as far as your stability, prophetic truth is concerned. So I'm just going to look at it briefly again. Again, let's try to make the grammatical layout, see what is the major truth. The first one is, he says, let no one deceive you. That's the first statement is made. In any way, has to do with the method of deception. He says, be of the fact that you're going to be uh, deceived or there's going to be deception in all kinds of ways. Let no one deceive you. That's a major statement here. All right? It will not be. In other words, the day of judgment, the, the, the day of God, the, 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 the day of the Lord will not be. And then he gives several conditions. Unless the departure comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son, the son of destruction. He goes on. He tells us something else about the man of lawlessness. He opposes and exalts himself against all that is called God, against all that is worship. Goes to the point that he sits as God in the temple of God, setting himself up as God. Don't you remember that I was telling you these things? That's another statement. I taught you these things. 
don't be deceived. I've already taught you truth. See, when you get the two main statements together, you can get the whole thrust of that passage. Don't be deceived. Just go back to what I told you. Just go back to what I taught you. See, they were departing from the apostles' doctrine. That's why they were being destabilized, destabilized. And listen, we have, uh, we have all kinds of departure from the apostles' doctrine today. I mean, some of these things that some of these guys on TV say, I just don't know how to get the boldness to do it. They're so far out from the Word of God. And yet, thousands, millions of believers are soaking it in. They're being deceived. Why? Because they are not discerning what they're hearing by filtering it through the Word of God. Here's how I paraphrase the passage to get the understanding of it. Paul is saying, don't let anyone dupe you in any way. Because the great tribulation, that's the great, I believe that has related to the day of the Lord. I want to go into detail. The great day of the Lord begins, I believe, at that point. It has to do with judgment and goes right through into the second coming. The great tribulation cannot happen before the certain departure. The certain departure from the truth. And that's happening today. Followed by the exposure of the man of sin who obeys no laws whose trademark is devastation, and who is anti any kind of deity or reverence of anyone or anything claiming to be God. Which eventually, this attitude, eventually leads to him presenting himself as God and the object of worship in the sanctuary of God in Jerusalem. Remember, these are the very topics I taught you on my last visit. So you should know what I'm talking about. I get to hear the, the, the irony and even disappointment in Paul's voice. I spent time teaching you this thing. And it wasn't too long ago. And yet you're ready to depart. I say, Paul, join the club. It's amazing how we teach and teach and teach and then people who come in and say, I don't know, or I don't understand, or I don't remember. It's just amazing. But one of my comforts is that Paul himself experienced it. In fact, Jesus Christ himself. You remember? Philip. You've seen me now for three years. And yet you ask, show me the Father. Remember that? I've been with you for three years. And yet you say, show me the Father. I and the Father are one. You should know it. I've taught you. I've been with you. And you don't know it. That's Paul. All right. Here's the main thrust of that passage, those verses. And it's two of them, actually. Paul is saying, don't be deceived by any message in any way that differs from the message I taught you. That's his point. You have heard the truth. Once for all delivered by an apostle. Don't deviate from it. And that's why I say to you, listen, when you get up, and you sit before your TV or your radio and you hear all these things. And he says, boy, that's new teaching. <laughs> Reject it. Amen. All right? Don't be deceived by any message or any way that differs from the message I taught you. He says, two events must take place before the great tribulation begins. It must happen. It cannot come about unless these two things happen. One, 
There will be an overall pervasive rejection and opposition to the truth by those who once professed to believe and hold to it. That's apostasy. And they're not the wives of the apostles. Apostasy has to do with someone who professed to hold on to a truth all their life and suddenly they turn away from it. But the idea is not only turn away from it, now they oppose the very truth that they once held. Apostasy, a falling away from the truth. As we go on this season, I'm going to give you some examples. But actually, the most of you here, because you've had good teaching here through the years. You can just sit down and most of you will see it yourself if you just listen. Don't look at how handsome the person is. Don't look at how personable he is. How charismatic he is. The nice things he's saying. Mm-mm. Be like the Bereans. Test what he's saying against the word of God. Timothy tells Paul that the messengers of Satan himself, that they will come as angels of light, messengers of light. What does that mean? They're coming saying, I'm a Christian. I'm speaking the truth. I spoke to God. I spoke to Jesus Christ last night. I had breakfast with him, in fact. Secondly, not only will there be this pervasive turning away from the truth, and as I say, this is going to be one of our major focuses because it's happening in so many areas today, and so many of us, are, so many are falling in for it and supporting it with the, with the prayer and supporting it with the money. It's amazing. Secondly, the public recognition of the greatest sinner of all times, the man of sin, who will eventually claim to be God himself by erecting a replica of himself in the rebuilt Jewish temple as, in, as prophesied by Daniel. Now, I'm putting in a lot of stuff here. All of this is research. That's why I could say it in my paraphrase. You cannot paraphrase it that way unless you do your research. You see? But you have to assume that I did research. Right here, some of the greatest events, one of the marks, one of the points of, in, in our future history that will reshape the direction of the world is when this man of sin claims to be God and sets up an image of himself in the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. Now, man, listen, a lot of things that happen. First of all, he got to be revealed. He's got to be a man of such stature, he's going to be respected. Oh yeah, he's going to be coming for a while, he's going to be, for at least three and a half years, he is going to be respected. He's going to be trusted above all other political leaders. All of them. Because all of the nations of the world, and that's what I believe all CSME and all of these things that are happening now with, with the different nations and islands getting together, the formidable, all of those are going to be representative of people who are going to hand over their sovereignty to this man. And that's when he thinks he's going to be God. But when he does that, all hell is going to break out on earth. Right in the middle of the time, they're saying, peace, peace. I believe the treaty that he will confirm, he's not going to come up with a new treaty. He's going to confirm one that was already established. The treaty is already in place, but it's not confirmed. 
They're still fighting and arguing over it. But it's coming a point when the Israelites, when the Israel people are going to accept it, the Arabs, the Muslims, the Ingr- everybody is going to accept it. And he's going to be the one to bring it about. And then he's going to put himself up as God. Now the Jewish temple has to be rebuilt. <laughs> you can hardly get it. I mean, you've got a big fight for any Jew or Arab to be in that area. You know that, don't you? Right now, the Dome of the Rock is on, on the area, at least most of the area, the people don't know the exact area, where the temple was. And theoretically, in order for the temple to be built, the Dome of the Rock has to be destroyed. Now, you try to destroy that today. You know, some, some months ago, there was, there was a Christian who tried to destroy it. Do you remember that? He went on the mount with some little hand grenades, and try to destroy the dome because he wanted to usher in the coming of Christ. But what I'm saying to you is here, what we're looking at now, certain things have to happen. And it will be everything we see going on now in Israel, Palestine, which isn't a good word. But in that area has to do with this, leading up to this, you see. The main thrust then of this passage is that these two events must occur. These two divinely predetermined signs must occur. But now here is the truth you must recognize. These signs relate to the second coming of Christ, not to the rapture. There are no signs related to the rapture. See, that's where a lot of people confuse. They say, oh, this is happening, therefore the rapture has to happen. No, nothing has to happen before the rapture occurs. Nothing. People confuse the second coming of Christ and the rapture. They're two distinct things. And you have to remember that. Otherwise, you're going to become confused and destabilized and emotionally distraught when you read scriptures. Paul is saying, you've got to get the facts right. Remember what I taught you, and this is what I taught you. Let's look at the next verse, verse 6. And you know what restrains him now, so that in his time he will be revealed. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Now a lot of people read that man, they get all confused. What are you talking about? You know what restrains him now, so that in his time he will be revealed. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Well, let me paraphrase that. First, let me give you the the outline to show you the main statements in the passage. The first one is, you know what restrains him. In other words, Paul says, I don't really have to tell you this anymore, because when I was there previously, I taught you who it was that was restraining the forces of the Antichrist. I told you that, so you should know it. That's why he doesn't give the name. You should know it. I see for our implication for us is that if we know our scripture, we should know who it is too. The second one is, he will be revealed. In other words, there's going to be a time when the true Antichrist will not be revealed. He will be there, but nobody will know who he is. And then he's going to be revealed. And most people think that when he's really going to reveal himself, 
is when he sets himself up as God. Others believe it's when he confirms the covenant, and that's what I believe. When he confirms that covenant, you see. Then he says the mystery of lawlessness is at work. He's telling us that the lawless atmosphere that will accompany the Antichrist, it's already here. John teaches us that says the Antichrists are here. That is, people who are teaching, doing the same things that the Antichrist will be doing when he comes. It's already here. We are already involved in it. John tells us that. He says, he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Let's look at that. That's the paraphrase. Show my understanding of the passage. Based on what I've told you previously, Paul is saying, you know what is holding the Antichrist in check until the predetermined time for the exposure of his identity. You see, there's a time. Remember I said that God is still in control. Nothing happens outside of God's sovereignty. Who do you think it is who has set the time for the appearance of the Antichrist? It's not the Antichrist. It's God. Predetermined time. In check until the predetermined time for the exposure of his identity. You know this because the deep workings of sin is already in motion. He's saying that you should know this. Because the things I taught you about would accompany him, the signs are already there. If you're just aware of the signs of the times, you will realize that the strategy of the Antichrist is already in place. Now, of course, it's not the Antichrist who's putting it in place. Who is putting it in place? Satan, because Satan is the one that, uh, that controls the Antichrist. That's what he meant by the mystery of lawlessness. Because he is the lawless one, meaning without law, sinner, without restraint. That's the evil one. That's the Antichrist, the sinner without restraint. He says, however, the one who is pre presently preventing the full manifestation of the man of sin will continue to do so until he is removed from out of his way. Now, many people have the belief, the idea that this talks about the rapture. But personally, I believe that the rapture could be involved, but I don't believe necessarily so. When it says that he's removed out of the way, I simply think it means that here, here's the Holy Spirit standing up now. Here's the spirit of the Antichrist coming. It comes up against the Holy Spirit. There's coming a day when God is going to say, okay, let him have his way. And what he's going to do is step on the side. And then he's going to have his way. He's going to move out of his way so he could do what he wants. You see, because some people have the idea that when the church is taken up through the rapture, then the Holy Spirit will leave the earth. That cannot happen. The Holy Spirit has to be here. Because one of the greatest evangelistic events and, and, and uh, uh, revival that will ever take place on this earth is going to be taking place right after the rapture occurs. Millions are going to be saved. Are they going to be saved without the influence of the Holy Spirit? No way. No. Yes, the church is going to be taken out, all right, but the Holy Spirit is going to be left here on earth. He's not going to be removed from the earth. He's just going to step aside so the Antichrist could do his work for a while. All right? Now, here's the application. 
The remedy for spiritual and psychological instability is a knowledge of and obedience to the teaching of the Word of God. That's the basic thing here. That's why it's so important for you to know how to study the Word of God. For those of you who don't know how to study the Word of God and understand it, you're going to have so much trouble in these last days. The Christian Counseling Center is going to have all kinds of business. Because things are going to get hot. Things are going to get rough. And you're going to be start wondering and doubting. It's only the Scriptures that's going to help you. Secondly, the Holy Spirit through the church is God's agent for keeping the world from total spiritual and moral corruption. Let's make this a personal thing and immediate right now. Do you realize that what it is, what is keeping this earth, our Bahamian community, from total immorality and corruption is the presence of believers? All right. Now, we might not be doing a good job, but we're doing enough to keep it from totally rotting. Going to rot. See, so when you come right down to it, stop blaming the sinners for the immorality. And look at your own life as a believer. Are you the salt of the earth? Are you being rubbed into this community? And letting your light shine? Some people say the only time the Christian let the light shine is when they gather together. And then they shine the light of one another. Then they go in the world and it's cut off. Being the soul of the world, we come here in the shaker. And when we go out, we go in a plastic bag. We still don't rub ourselves into the fabric of this community. And would not. And that same thing is true worldwide. It is true that the church is what it is that keeps this earth from total immorality and total corruption and rot. But in actuality, it is the Holy Spirit within the church. And when the church is taken out, the Holy Spirit will still be left here. But for a while, he will not be impacting people who have already heard the gospel. Only those who haven't. We'll see that in a moment. One day, soon I believe, God will allow the Antichrist total freedom to wreak havoc on the earth by removing the Spirit's restraint. Now, either that's through the going away of the church or just by him simply setting it, stepping aside, which I believe to be the case. Let's look at the further verses. Then that lawless one, then after these things occurred, that lawless one, the one who does not obey law, will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth. Now we have at least a, a seven-year period in that one, word, one verse. The lawless one will be revealed. That's the beginning. The Lord will slay with the breath of That's the end. You see? We have at least seven years. Now personally, I believe that when the church is taken out, I don't believe that the tribulation as we know is going to stand. I have a different belief than most of our dispensational people. I believe there's going to be at least a first three and a half year period where the church is going to be here. You see? Before the Antichrist really starts to make himself known, we're going to see a lot of indications of it ourselves. We're going to know what it is. But before the real tribulation begins, the great one, the terrible one, the church will be taken away. We'll talk about that later on. Then that lawless one will be revealed from the Lord, will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the purge of his coming. That is, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan. He's talking about the Antichrist. 
He's coming with the, according to the strategy of the devil. And how is he coming? With all power and signs and false wonders. Isn't it amazing how we are focusing on signs and wonders today? That's all everybody asking. Not only where you can prove your ministry is if you can do signs and wonders. This Bible tells us here that signs and wonders do not only come from God the Holy Spirit. It comes from Satan also. That's why you need to be discerning. There's going to be some people who, come, who, 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 do, who are involved in these signs and wonders who are going to appear before Jesus Christ. You know what Jesus Christ is going to tell them? Depart from me, I never knew you. Verse 10. And with all the deception, notice the word again, of wickedness. Deception of wickedness. It's evil for those who perish. Now notice this. With all the deception of wickedness toward those who perish. In other words, this deception will be directed toward those who are designed to die. Why? Because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. In other words, they're going to reject Christ. And now they're going to be open to the deception of the Antichrist. So they won't believe. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false. Now, this isn't the devil doing this. This is God. People who had an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ before the rapture and rejected him. God himself is going to do what he did to the Jewish nation. He's going to put blindness on their eyes and cause them to be in a position where they cannot believe the truth. It happened before with Israel. It'll happen again with those who reject Jesus Christ before the rapture. That's why I believe one of the greatest deceptions we have out today. Now, I know all you all are going to shoot me because I know all of you all read the books. The Left Behind series, I believe that is causing so much deception in the world. Why? Because they leave a hope that if you reject Jesus Christ today, you know, leave a tape recording or video. So that afterwards, that person who you talked to and prayed for, and they continue rejected Christ, they can look at it and they can be saved. I don't know where they get that from. Notice what it says now. And for this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false. In order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth. They are consigned to eternal death for rejecting Christ. Why? They took pleasure in wickedness. So here's I, the grammatical layout. The lawless one will be revealed. That's the first thing it says. Secondly, the Lord will slay him. Tells him how? With the breath of his mouth. When we get the revelation, you'll see that. He's coming on a charger. And he's going to slay the Antichrist with the sword of the word that comes from his mouth. He will bring him to an end by the appearance of his coming. He bring him to he's going to destroy him just by his the expression of his glory. That is, the one who's coming is in accord with the activity of Satan. Those are the main statements here. The lawless one will be revealed, the Lord will slay him, he'll bring him to an end, and he the, the Antichrist is coming according with the activity or the strategy of Satan. Those are the main truths in there. Everything else I modify is tell you how, when, and why. Come out next uh, on the 27th. You'll see how we put this all in place. Verse 10. They did not receive the love of the truth. That is what is said about those who are concerned to die. They did not receive the love of the truth to be saved. For this reason. What reason? 
They didn't receive the love of the truth to be saved. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence. So what? They will believe what is false. That is, they will believe the message of the Antichrist. They will be some of the first ones to get his mark. It's heavy stuff. But this is what we're in. And that's where we're headed. Here's the paraphrase of the passage. The man of sin will be revealed with the restra- when the restrainer is removed out of his way. But eventually, in about seven years or so, the Lord Jesus Christ will kill him by his spoken word and terminate his rule. You see, there will one day be a one world government that God wants to be set up. That's the millennium kingdom. That's the kingdom ruled over by Jesus Christ. Satan is trying to prevent that. It started way up in heaven. I will be like God. I will sit on the mountains of one. He wants to establish his own kingdom. To replace the kingdom that is to be set up by Jesus Christ. You see, but there will be one day. When the king, the rightful king comes, he's going to destroy this usurper, the Antichrist. Paul says, I'm talking about the man whose appearance is a part of the devil's strategy, which is accompanied with unlimited might, symbols, counterfeit miracles, and with evil fraudulence directed toward the ones who will be killed as a consequence of not accepting the truth in their heart so they could, not, so they could be redeemed. You all better study this well. Don't promise your loved ones that they're going to have a second chance. Today, here's the, applic- here's the paraphrase again, final part of it. Because of this choice, re- not receiving the truth, the Lord will put a divine hex on them that will cause them to believe what is not true. That's the message of the Antichrist. So that they will be judged as unbelievers because they chose to enjoy their evil ways instead of accepting Christ when they had the opportunity to do so. These are important. Now, now do you see why these people were destabilized? They thought that they were being judged as sinners because they were being persecuted. They thought it was a part of the great tribulation. Paul is saying, no, no, no. That's only for people who reject Jesus Christ as Savior. Let me just briefly show this, the order of events here. Paul begins with the day of the Lord. That's sort of the marking point for him. That's the point that everybody thought that they were already in. Paul says, no, two things have to happen first. The apostasy. The restrainer is removed. Now, the rapture will take some place during that period. And then you go on to the day of the Lord, which I believe begins with the great tribulation. But that's the order. The falling away from truth, the giving up of truth, the deception... The Spirit of God uh, is moved aside. The church is taken out of the world. Then the day of the Lord comes. That's when he is revealed. See, we all normally look at the Great Tribulation as being a seven-year period. But in actuality, what is called the Great Tribulation is only three and a half years. It's the last three and a half years. That's the Great Tribulation. The time of Jacob's trouble. The seven year period is a part of it, but the first three and a half years is going to be peace. That's why he's going to be accepted. The real, the great tribulation, the tribulation, the great one, is the last three and a half years. It's a time of Jacob's trouble. It's reserved especially for the Jewish people and for those who rejected Christ before. 
the rapture. Let me hurry here. There are two events, the rapture and the second coming. The rapture, we have the translation of believers. The second coming, no translation is involved. With the rapture, the saints go to heaven. With the second coming, the translated saints return to earth. In other words, when Jesus Christ comes out of his kingdom, those who are taken the rapture come back with him. The rapture, the earth is not judge. The second coming, the earth is judge. The rapture is imminent. It could happen any time. Second coming follows death and predicted signs that we looked at in others. The rapture is not mentioned anywhere in the Old Testament. But, it is, but the second coming is. The rapture involves believers only. Second coming affects all men on the earth. The rapture has, comes before the day of God's wrath. Second coming concludes the day of God's wrath. When he comes, that finishes it. Two different events. Don't mix them. Don't confuse them. That's the point here. Here are two scriptures that are important for you to understand. First Thessalonians 5.9 For God hath not appointed us to wrath. That's believers. This is the wrath of God against those who rejected him. That's what he's talking about. For Christians, for believers, for the church, God has not appointed us to that kind of wrath, but to obtain salvation but our Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation 6.17, the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? That has to do with the tribulation to those who reject him. Two different uh, aspects when it comes to, to wrath. One, the believer will escape, the unbeliever will not. The main idea then is this. Jesus Christ will destroy the Antichrist with the sword of his mouth when he returns a second time to set up his own kingdom on earth. Those who rejected the truth prior to the reign of the Antichrist, who appears as an outworking of Satan's evil strategy to set up his own kingdom, will be deceived by his power to perform miracles because of the fact that they are destined to be killed because of their rejection of Christ prior to the appearance of the Antichrist. And that principle still holds today. One of the reasons why a lot of people receive so much deception is because they don't understand the truth. They rejected the truth. The same thing will hold true when the Antichrist comes. Because his people have rejected the truth, God will say, you stay in that then, and you will believe a lie. The application. Signs and wonders can have their source in Satan as well as God. Spiritual discernment through the word of God is needed to determine the difference. This is very important today. I'm not denying that signs and wonders work or happen today. But what are the source? Sources. Is it Satan? Or is it Holy Spirit? We're going to spend a lot of time on this one. Secondly, there's no guarantee that if a person who rejects Christ prior to the rapture will have a second chance to do so following the rapture. No guarantee of that it is. The day of salvation is now. So let me pause. If you have not yet placed your faith in Jesus Christ, and if it is true, and we believe it is, that the rapture could occur at any moment, that means, therefore, that the only time that you could ever have to be saved is right at this instant. Because Christ could come at the next instant. And if he does, according to this scripture, you will be in a place that you cannot believe again. You say, you're trying to frighten me into heaven. You bet your life I am. I'd rather frighten you into heaven than to 
mambi pambi you and let you go to hell. These are serious times in which we live. Christians, you've got to be aware of it. Your loved ones, how much are you praying for them? How much are you witnessing for Do you really love them? Well, love them into the kingdom. We'll pick up from this next time, Lord willing. But let me close with this. Paul is writing this passage so that believers understand how important it is to understand the word of God as you have it delivered once and for all. If you don't understand what's happening in these days, you're going to be confused, you're going to be destabilized as a believer, you're going to be emotionally, psychologically distraught. But worst of all, you're open to the deception of the evil one. Convince yourself to studying the word of God. If you hear, I say to you again, you've not yet placed faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, please, please, I implore you, do so today. Knowledge that you've sinned, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That Jesus Christ, God's son, died in your place. He who knew no sin was made an atoning sacrifice for you so that you might be made the righteousness of God in him. God raised him from the dead to demonstrate he had accepted Christ's death on your behalf. All you have to do is to rely upon that right now. And says, oh God, I'm a sinner. But I believe that Jesus died for me and was raised again for my justification. And I'm resting now on his salvation, on his redemptive work. That's all you have to do. Ask him then to help you to please him the rest of your life. Bow in a word of prayer, please. Now, just before I close in prayer, I'm going to ask you, is anyone who has made that prayer, anyone who placed faith in Jesus Christ during the service? Would you just raise your hand and put it right back down? Anyone? You want to do so right now to indicate that you want to be rapture ready. You want to be ready for when Jesus Christ comes. Just put your hands up and put it right back down again. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Now, for you as Christians... I want you to commit yourself to studying the Word of God so that you will not become or remain theologically, spiritually destabilized because of a lack of knowledge of the Word of God. Will you commit yourself right now to learning how to study the Bible? Right now, where you are. If you make that commitment, just put your hand up and put it right back down again. To all those of you, thank you, thank you, thank you. The Lord bless you. Father, you've heard the prayer of our hearts. You've seen the commitments made by these individuals. We pray for those who have indicated the acceptance of you today and your Son as Savior. Lord, continue to work in their lives, to continue to enlighten them, to give them that assurance that they are truly the children of God. And for those who have committed to truly understanding the Bible, We pray that you might enable them to do so by your Holy Spirit. We pray, our Father, that we might be people who are aware and alert and watchful because we believe and understand the Word of God. And all of God's people said, Amen. For those of you who have indicated acceptance of Christ today, we invite you after the service. Pastor Arnold will be here and myself, and we'd love to talk with you if you so desire.